Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Well, there has been a lot of research lately around something called the blue zones. Have you guys heard of the blue zones? They are geographical areas that they have found a, a concentrated level uh, number of people who live exceptionally long lives. And what they've done is they started researching, okay, what is going on in this geographic region that there are people that on average, are living longer lives. And they look at things like their um, diet, you know, like what what, what, is, what grows naturally? What is their diet? Is their diet has more of these purple potatoes. Okay, we should be eating purple potatoes, right? Or... Um, lifestyle factors like how do they how do they live like are there social dynamics things that are happening and one of the things that they discovered in these in the lifestyle factors is that that some people that tend to um, live longer in these areas they have what they call a sense of purpose they have a, a keyed in sense of what their life is for and that there is this growing body of research um, on the impact, mental and physical and uh, lifelong impact on those who have a sense of their life purpose. And I love when research confirms God's design. <laughs> I love it when the scientists are going, oh, this is, is important, right? We're, this thing that God has said, the thing that God has designed us for, because we know that our lives, God designed our lives for impact. He designed our lives for greatness. He designed our lives to matter in this world. And we, uh, we, we started this last week where I introduced you into this missionary heart of God, this calling that God has on us that started way back with Abraham back in Genesis 12. And this was, uh, this should sound familiar. This is just a slight review of what we did last week where God is sending Abraham out as a missionary. He's like, I want you to go. You're going to leave your father's house. And he says this, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So here was God's brilliant strategy. I am going to bless you. And in this blessing that your life carries, you're going to go out and bless the world. And I love how far reaching this is. All the families of the earth. This was God's brilliant, brilliant plan. You are blessed to go be a blessing. You get to embody the blessing of God. And and we said this isn't just being nice, right? This isn't being friendly or just being kind. That actually the greatest blessing that we can be is that we um, help bring people into the shalom of God. This this idea that you, we were once enemies, but now we're made right with God. Like this is blessing. This sense that it is well with my soul. That I am no longer separated from the love of God, the acceptance of God. Right? That we have a, a sense blessing means that we get to live in the hope of knowing God fully as we're fully known here on this earth, but then through all eternity. That this is the greatest bit of blessing. That we're not going to stop short with just being, doing nice things for people, right? This is God's idea of blessing. And so we see that we are on this earth to embody this, this missionary heart of God, that we were saved into this great purpose to be a blessing to the world, to become his blessing in skin. And so last week I asked this question, well, how exactly 
do we do this? Like, we need some specifics. Like, we see this big picture call. How are we going to do this? And so last week, I introduced the BLESS practices. BLESS, B-L-E-S-S, practices. And um, these are from Dave Ferguson. They are not mine. Um, but they are nothing new. Nothing like mind-shattering here, except for put together, they are just really practical steps on how we can live out this purpose, this thing we're made for to impact the world around us. And so some of you, I don't know if you brought back last week's notes, but I did. I gave you part two notes, and um, so you can fill them in as we go along. If you want last week's notes, there are still a few on the back table back there, and there may be a few magnifying glasses. You can grab one of those, too. Um, but last week, we just started. This is my little tiny bit of review that we started with B. Begin with prayer. prayer. Begin with prayer. So you can write that next to your B if you need a reminder that we begin with prayer. And we decided that we had to start with def- identifying who is my neighbor, who are we talking about, because what we were going to do is take our magnifying glass and we were going to take it and we were going to focus it on a specific spot on this earth. We were going to to concentrate kind of the, the power of heaven onto this earth to bring revival, but we needed to start by identifying who exactly are we praying for? Who exactly are we called to bless? And so I asked you to make a neighbor map, and you wrote down eight of your neighbors around you by name, or maybe eight people that you work near, or eight of the soccer families, right? And if you need to fill those in again, or if you're just catching up, you could do it really fast, but who are we praying for? Who is my neighbor? And then we talked about, we looked at scripture, how we realize that salvation is a spiritual battle, that what we're doing is stripping the enemy of his authority to bring the lost into the kingdom of the sun, to transfer them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so I gave you some specific scriptures to pray along those lines. We recognize that the battle is in the spiritual realm, in the heavenly places. We were going to start there in prayer, right? This is familiar? Okay, so the specific prayer that the scriptures were on that first sheet, They're um, in the back if you want them. And that was our B, begin with prayer. And then when I closed, I promised you this week I would bring you L-E-S-S. I would bring you less this week, right? So here we go. I'm delivering my promise. L is listen. Listen. Again, none of this is like mind-blowing, like, what? We listen, right? But this Barna group did a study, and they asked people, that um, what do you value in someone that you would have a spiritual conversation with? If you were going to be open to a spiritual conversation, what do you value in that person? And um, one of the top answers is that they wanted someone to listen without judgment. To listen without judgment. Just to have a safe place where they actually could share their thoughts and their feelings and what they heard about God and what their experience has been. Just someone that would be with them on this journey. And this was the crazy thing. Two-thirds of the people said that they actually didn't have anyone in their life that would listen without judgment. Two-thirds. That puts us in that midst midst of that two-thirds, church, right? Two-thirds wouldn't listen without judgment. So because we want to be a blessing to people, and we want to be on this journey and be able to be on a process with them of introducing them to who the God of the Bible is, the God of our lives is, the God of history is, we want to be able to learn how to listen without judgment, 
And I believe this is a skill that we can grow in. I think this is good news, that this is something that we can actually do. But if we're thinking about this, what is one of the biggest obstacles that we need to overcome to listen without judgment is this. I believe that we are more interested in what we have to say than what they have to say. And I know this is challenging because we, we have a sense of the truth, right? And the picture that I felt like God was giving me was that the prodigal son, there was a process to get up and go home, right? There's a process. And we want to be with someone in that process because there's a moment where they come to their senses, but it might not be yet. So we're in process with them. So we want to be able to just listen to where they are, be on that journey with them. In order to do that, we have to, for a time, set aside our ideas, our thoughts, and our agendas so we can listen and hear where their heart is, where we can hear where they are in that process, or we can discern how God is drawing them. We want to be patient with the process. And I see some little, um, little things that we can pick up from Jesus who did this so well. When we look at Jesus with the um, Samaritan woman at the well, this should be a pretty familiar story, but it happens like this in John 4. This is the context. Check this out. When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now there's so many little little clues on what's going on in Jesus' life in this moment that we need to slow down around. The first thing is this, in this moment, you notice Jesus is really, he's like at the height of his popularity in ministry in some ways, because the Pharisees have been heard about, have heard about what's going on, like, oh my goodness, this thing is gaining momentum, more and more people are being baptized, right? Like, so there is a lot going on in this moment, in his ministry, And so he decides that he's going to get up and move on as Jesus does. Like, right? He just gets up and slips through the crowds. He moves on and he's headed somewhere. So he's, 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 he's got something to do, somewhere to go. But nonetheless, he stops in Samaria at this well. And then we catch this little other little tidbit that he's tired, right? That he's been doing so much ministry. He's traveling. He's tired. Uh, There's a lot of important places to go, important people to see. But here's the thing. Jesus was stoppable. He was stoppable. He was interruptible, really, in this process. And that allowed him to go on this journey with the Samaritan woman. It allowed him to, this life-transforming story that follows, it starts because Jesus was able to value this woman. He was able to be, um, to put aside his agenda, whatever's going on with him, even physically, and, and to overcome even the social and the cultural ideas that are happening that are swirling around him remember it says that jews what's going on here because jews don't even associate with these type of people with samaritans and no less a woman right and so she senses something's going on like instantly what i'm she's sensing value from this person 
He stops for her. She's used to being rejected. She's used to being ignored. She's used to people like not bothering with her. Nonetheless, Jesus, Jesus is communicating value, value. And we do that by listening. And we know Jesus had the opportunity to speak truth, to correct, right? He could bring that message. He could bring the drink of living water that she actually was dying for. But it all started because he was able to value her. And we, when we listen, we show value. I'm wondering if you've ever been listened to, like really listened to before. How did it make you feel? Recently, I was talking to a counselor and as I was talking to the counselor, I would share my perspective and I would share what was going on. And she would always repeat back what I said. She was like this deep listener and she was writing things down and repeating it back. And it, for me, the way it was like, I was like center stitch. I was like, oh, in her life in that moment, right? And like, as she could say anything to me. She could correct me. Like, I'm like, tell me how it is. Like, tell me what you see. Why? Because for a moment, I felt it communicated. What was communicating was, you are important. I care about you. I see you. You're valuable, right? So that's what I'm asking us to do. Because what happens is we're developing relational equity here. And then the other thing that happens is as we listen, they're going to tell you how you can bless them. You're going to be able to see the God opportunity where God is stirring. You're going to be able to listen for where are they celebrating? Where are they mourning? Where do they have a need or a crisis? Where are their dreams What's going on in their lives? So that's what we want to do. We want to see, like, where is God moving so I can join? So I can know how to pray for them. I can know how to bring truth when they need it. So we listen to people. We value them. So we have that, that, um, that right to speak into their life when the opportunity comes about. Okay, now we're going to come back. Now, I'm not just telling you, you just listen and there's no like, you know, again, the words or action. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. But we start with valuing. Okay, here are some questions for you to consider that you can put down under, um, the, I have that think about people right there. Okay, so think about some people that you, that you interact with regularly in your life. Maybe it is, um, a receptionist at somewhere you go regularly or a barista or maybe some parents at a bus stop, someone that you um, maybe have favor with. So here's an example. We went out with some friends to dinner and they called to make a reservation to the steakhouse that they go to fairly regularly. And they, every time they make a reservation, they say, will you put us in Jeremy's section? We want to sit in his section. And they always sit in his section and they have favor with this guy, but they've also, they've sewn into him they've developed a relationship with him and to the point where they can they've invited him to parties and they're speaking into his life because they just have have made this effort to interact with this person on a regular basis and come back to over and over again to listen to express care to look for small ways to engage people so think about this in your life. Think about this in your life. Are there the same people? I've started going, okay, Molly, instead of typing in your Panera thing on the kiosk, go up to the person behind the counter. It's just one more opportunity to engage someone. And then you can ask just a simple question. Like, here's a super simple question. How's your day going? I always like to ask people, like, did you start early this morning? If I'm at a coffee shop, early morning for you, you know, just something to engage them. You know, if you are around uh, other parents, just what, what are your kids up to this weekend? The little ways to engage people, to listen, to show care. 
Okay, my favorite way to listen is with the next one, is with a mouth full of food. E, can we guess what E is? Eat, eat. Okay, eat. If I were to ask you, think about Jesus' ministry on this earth. How did Jesus um, spend a lot of his time ministering to people? What were some of his go-tos for ministering, blessing people on the earth? What would you say? You would probably say teaching, miracles, praying for people, right? You probably say, you know, dying on the cross. This is how Jesus blessed people around him. Yes, but did you notice also that most of his ministry was actually done around a table? Seriously, think about it for a second. I mean, the religious had this against Jesus. They were accusing him and they were like, you're a, a glutton. You're a drunkard. Like you, you eat with sinners and tax collectors, right? Like this was their accusation against him because he spent a lot of time around a table. Think about the, the miracles that happened around a table. The first miracle was at a wedding feast, right? He encountered Zacchaeus and he's like, Zacchaeus, calm down. I'm coming to your house for dinner tonight. That's so bold. You know, like, what you making me tonight, right? Think about um, the, the time where Mary broke the alabaster jar of oil to anoint Jesus. It was, it was after a meal. The night before he's going to the cross, like important moments of his life around a meal. He wants to reinstate Peter, who he's, he's handing the church. He's like, you know, Peter here, the church is going to be built on the foundation of our relationship. And Peter has turned and betrayed him, and he, he needs to reinstate Peter. He wants Peter to know what he needs to know to go live out his ministry. And, and again, urgent things. Come on, like this is an urgent time. And Jesus is like, Peter, come on, let's have breakfast. Come and eat. Come and eat with me, right? Some of Jesus' most important moments happened around a meal. It's important time. It's important time. And, and I think, I, I know, I, it goes through my little filter. And I'm like, oh, it's just not spiritual enough, Jesus. Like, really? A meal? Like, come on. But here's the deal, guys. If Jesus spent his time around a table, let's not overlook it. Let's not. Let's slow down around it and see. Do we have eyes of faith to see miracles that begin, that start the roots of them around a table? Because new levels of depth and connection. Think about like what happens, like, right? You, um, maybe you, you meet someone uh, on an app and, and you want to get to know them. What do you, you ask them out? Let's go out for coffee. Let's go out for a meal, right? My first date with Kevin, we always laugh because it, it wasn't really a date because he made me pay. <laughs> um, but <laughs> around the table, he's, I love him. He's so bold. So anyways, so, okay. So all of these things happening around a table, it's a safe place. Why is it a safe place? Because we all eat, right? We all eat. We're all doing it anyways. Let's turn some of it into mission. Let's turn some of it into the impact that we're meant to have on this earth. One of my favorite things that I've heard of recently, missional eating, is Justin and JJ have something called Taco Tuesday. Did you invent Taco Tuesday, Justin? No, he's saying no. I don't believe it. But Taco Tuesday, where they just tell everyone, Tuesdays are taco night at our house. Anyone can come. Anyone can come. Right? And Justin, you were inviting a coworker, and the coworker said, uh, is this religious? Right? Yeah. And what did you say, Justin? We're just having, it's, it's ground beef. 
It's not religious. It's ground beef, right? But it's just come. Just come. We want to engage in life together. We want to be with you on a process. We want to embody the blessing of God. Come into my home and have a taco. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. So how can you plan some missional, a missional meal into your schedule. I'm asking you, come on guys, I know we, we want to be a blessing. We want to make impact. And some of us are just like, I can't make the leap. I don't know how to, right? We always just think, how do I get into church? How do I get into church? Let's back it up. Can you have lunch with a coworker? Instead of, you know, getting a little more work done. I know we like to do this. I know my son, he goes out to his car. He needs a break. I get it. What about once a week? Once a week. Just, uh, you know, let's eat lean cuisines together next to each other. Let's try it. Let's try it. And maybe you have some barriers and you're like, I just don't cook. You know what Kevin and I do? We order pizza. We order pizza, not Papa John's, real pizza. It's cheap. It's easy. Everybody eats it, right? Maybe you're like, I don't like my house. Hand up. I get it. Me neither. I don't like my house. I'm embarrassed. (laughs) Every time I'm like, Kevin, one day we are going to have to update this kitchen. And I, part of me thinks if we just wait long enough, it's going to come back around. But we're just waiting this puppy out, right? And the piles and all, I get it. I get it. So here's the principle I apply. You know that saying, people don't remember what you said, but they remember how you made them feel. I just apply that to my house. Just apply it. They're not going to remember the piles of mess, I can make them feel loved. I can make them feel loved. Or my backup plan is burning lots of candles. Just the heck out of some pumpkin candles because they're glittery and they're pretty and the cover up of smells is glorious, right? Okay, let's try that. Let's try that. Last objection is you're like, I am not great at carrying conversation. What if I don't have anything to say? Here is a great trick. There are thousands of conversation starters out there. Look up some conversation starters. Have them locked and loaded. Just memorize those things. Have them locked and loaded. And you can just go from one to the next. Like, okay, like if you had $1,000, what would you do with it, right? Like we can just roll with some like preloaded questions around that. But here's the great thing about a meal Many times a meal, again, is just one more place of connection and it will lead us to our next S. It will give us opportunity to serve. Opportunity to serve. It did for Jesus. Let's read what happened here in John 13. Okay. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Isn't Jesus so beautiful? So beautiful. But here's what I want you to notice. I want you to notice a few things. That first of all, that in this moment, Jesus taught no parable. He was not giving them a story. This was not an imagine with me moment for the disciples. This was a real towel, real water, and real foot scrubbing. And I believe that Jesus wanted this to be super clear. That not a minute of it would be lost in translation or open to interpretation down the road where the disciples were, remember back when, well, what did foot washing really, what did he really mean by foot washing? Uh Uh-uh. He was being so, so clear with them in this moment that Jesus, the great teacher, the great rabbi, on his knees, scrubbing their crusty feet, this was an outlandish picture burning in their eyes, fresh on their feet, right? They had just experienced Lord and teacher in real life. And what I love is that Jesus made this so accessible for everyone that would come behind him, that any of us, none of us had need, you know, need to go to, to seminary. That, I mean, Jesus just leveled the playing field. You want to be impactful. I'm going to show you exactly how anyone can do this. And you will know that they will know. They will know that you follow me. They will know that you carry my name. That you, They will know that you carry my mission. Not by great writings. Not by, you know, leading huge groups of people. Not by the splashy things that the world says it is. It isn't by any of those things. It's not by wisdom. It's just by simple love in the flesh, isn't it? We can all do this. We can all do this. And here is the night before Jesus' death. And again, these are critical moments. These are last moments that mean everything to the church. And Jesus is thinking, what must they know? What is the priority? What is the top of the agenda, right? Like when Kevin and I have meetings and we have time with people, we're like, what has to happen at this meeting? What's the top of the agenda? What has to happen in these hours? And Jesus makes the agenda meal and foot washing. Meal in a foot washing. And I want to know what, what is our agenda, guys? What are our priorities? Do they line up with the ways of Jesus? And then I want you to notice how this serving came to be. I love how this came out of Jesus knew that God gave him the highest place. Jesus knew that he had the name above all names. He knew that he had power over all things. And so what he does is he takes off the clothing. He takes off, uh, uh, you know, his dignity and he wraps a towel around his, his waist. And here's the thing that Jesus took action and he took it. it what I see here is that it, serving wasn't a feeling or emotion. It wasn't a reciprocal thing. Like they just did all this for me and I'm going to do this for them. If you are waiting for a feeling, an emotion to serve, we will wait a long time. Serving is an action that is just born out of, uh, uh, it's a decision that is just born out of knowing who God is and knowing our place in him, that it is unstoppable. It is unstoppable in him. And 
then I want you to notice that Jesus had to put aside his clothing to serve. He had to take something off to put on that towel. He had to put aside his divinity in order to serve. And so I would just ask, what about you? Think about this for a second. What do you have to put aside to serve people around you? Pride, self-image, our time are important, very important things to do. I'm going to put myself right out there and say, my relax time. I need a lot of relax time. (laughs) Convenience. What do you have to put aside? Will you just, with the Holy Spirit, put something down on paper? What is God asking you to put aside so you can take up the towel and serve? And maybe you're asking, okay, how exactly do I serve? Remember, we begin with prayer. And as we listen, and as we eat with people, I promise you, you will have more opportunities than you know what to do with to serve people around you. If you're taking up this mission that I live, I embody the blessing of God on this earth, I promise you, you will have more opportunities. Here's a trick I heard someone, every time you go to the store, get an extra rotisserie chicken, and just ask God, who is this for? (laughs) Right? Who needs this in my life? Like, rotisserie chickens, eight whole dollars, and you can do a whole lot with a rotisserie chicken, can't you? Right? Maybe there are people around you where, you know, again, as you're, as you're listening to them, as you're engaging them, you're connecting, you're eating with them, you're gonna hear about the hardship, you're gonna hear about the struggle, the sick kid. Maybe you can watch someone's kids for a minute. We have a neighbor who, he helps all the kids in the neighborhood with their resume. Every time it's time to get a job, they all go to him, right? Like, I, I can serve you in this way. Okay. What I want us to do is I want us to show up with the power of God. We know how to pray for the sick. Kevin taught us how to pray for the sick in the name of Jesus. We know how to comfort those who are mourning, right? We have the Discovery Bible study that we can, hey, do you want to see what the scripture has to say about this? We have that Discovery Bible study that we looked at together. These are all sermons that have been done in the past few weeks. Go listen to them if you haven't had a chance yet. And all of this will lead to the last S. And this last one is story. Share your story. Share your story. Here is the truth. You have a story. You are living out the story of God. You are living out the gospel story in your life. And I want to make this really simple. I love this. Paul said this in Acts twenty-two fifteen. This was Jesus' call to him. And you will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. This is the greatest definition of being a witness. Just tell what you've seen and heard. Tell what God has done in your life. Tell what you've heard him do. Share what you've seen him do because he is visible in and through your life and on your life. We are connected to a God who interacts with us. It is the story of the kingdom, is it not? It is breaking into our lives that there is all over your life, there are moments of the breaking in of heaven. Collect them and share them. Collect them and share them, right? Who has God been to you? What have you seen him do? And here's a simple, really simple way to tell the story. Here it is. There was a time in my life when, dot, dot, dot. And then I met Jesus. And now I am, dot, dot, dot. 
And this story will be on a continuous loop in your life. There's always another chapter of the story. There's other, always another page, right? There was a time in my life when I was just worried that I just wasn't ever good enough for God's love. I, I just could never do enough to really earn a place before him. Oh, and then I met the grace and mercy of Jesus who came and took every burden off of my shoulders to be anything. And now I just get to breathe easy in the acceptance of God. Now that burden is just off my shoulders and I just get to run free in the possibility of God, right? And we're not, we're not, um, it's not a perfect story, right? Don't like, you know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, it's all done forever, right? Like if, you, if you're in the middle of it, just what part of the story have you experienced the victory of God in? And share that and share that bit. And now, you know, I, what I really, what I just, what I long for is that, guys, as we're on this journey with someone, that as we are embodying the blessing of God, that as we have been praying and, and listening and eating and serving, that there will be a time where we have been trustworthy to share our story, to share our story, to be ourselves in relationships, to just show up fully as, as we are. To be the beloved of God. To be a witness of what his life, his love, his care has, has done for us. And I can tell you, I've been able to share my story with neighbors on walks. I've been able to share my story over coffee. I've been able to share my story in two seconds at a cross-country meet with another parent. I've been able to share my story, just a simple exchange of life. Let me just show you. Let me just show you who God has been for me, right? Okay. And I can tell you guys that there is no greater purpose in life than these moments. There's no greater purpose than to be able to partner with God that I'm not living for, honestly, I can say I'm not living for a promotion. I'm not living for, you know, uh, more things. I'm not living for the next vacation or just even a Friday night well spent. I am living for these moments where God's blessing will just pour out through me to touch another life. And I want this for you. I want this for us as a church. That we could say, like Paul said, Paul had this perspective on this purpose we're really living toward. Look at what he says in 1 Thessalonians 2.19. Of all the things we're going to be celebrating at the end, of all the things, here it is. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Like of all the things we could celebrate, what we're going to celebrate is the people that are with us in God's presence when he comes again or when we meet him face to face at the end. That's what we're going to be rejoicing over, guys. Let's just put this in as our GPS right now. This is the thing that we're living for. This is the thing that we're going to celebrate through all time. The people that we have brought into the presence of God, into that glorious worship service in heaven. They get to stand side by side with him, full eyes fully aware of who he is and who we fully are forever. Don't we want this, guys? This is what we want to be celebrating and rejoicing in all the people, all the people we blessed, all the people we blessed right into the presence of God. So why don't we stand up and I'm going to pray over us as a church. Our little commissioning into Genesis 12, the blessing of God. And I, I really feel like that God wants me to speak this over you and that you would hear these words. 
and that something in your spirit would attach to them and you to go, this is the purpose. This is why God breathed his breath of life into my frame. That God knew exactly what he was doing when he formed you. That there was no mistake. This was not a human's idea. Your life was not a human's idea. It was God ordained before the foundation of the world. And the why attached to your life is this. The why attached to your life is I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Through you. God, it's a great and wondrous thing that you would put your life in us. That you would... You could do this on your own without us. We know that you could do it on your own, but you're like, no, I choose you and I'm bringing you into this gathering in heart of the father. And God, we're sorry for the places where we've just disqualified ourselves and made it complicated and said, not yet. And I can't because when it's just it, we just breathe you in and and breathe you out. You're blessing out wherever we go. And so God, here here we are, your people. We want to be a church that gets to rejoice at the end of days over the people we brought into your presence. So God, I pray for you to breathe on our notes, breathe on our ideas, breathe on those chances to be interrupted and stopped, to breathe on opportunities to engage people to see what you're doing, join you in your great work, great harvest. Amen.